to pitch. Swing and a miss. Ducked him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, June 28, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you this week by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Chet, great job last week with our guest, Judy Arnold and Mike Kern. I hate that I missed it, but it looked like it was a fun show. Yeah, it certainly was on this end, Bill. Mike Kern always has some interesting views on all things Philly sports. And we know from having her on last year that Judy Arnold is just great to talk to and very popular with her uh, her fans who remember her from her roller derby heyday 40-plus years ago. Well, hey, Chet, hey, before we get started, we want to let our listeners know that we will have a trivia question tonight. We haven't had one in a while. We'll be asking that question right about 722 or so. So we've got a surprise prize as well. So write this number down now, 929 929- Four seven seven two eight five five. That's nine two nine four seven seven two eight five five for the trivia question about seven twenty two tonight. Well, hey, yeah, Ted, I'm, asking, I'm asking that trivia question, Bill. Bill, I'm asking the question because we are going to give away a cool prize to the first person with the correct answer. One of our brand new Philly Press Box Radio Polo shirts, which for those who saw the pictures we posted last week, are pretty darn awesome. So stick around for that. There you go. You gave you gave out the surprise. Well, hey, Chet, the Sixers stole the spotlight in the NBA draft by trading up for that number one pick. They selected point guard Markel Fultz. We're going to find out tonight from Philly.com Sixers beat writer Keith Pompey if Fultz is the final piece to the process. Yeah, he's been a popular guest on radio and TV in recent weeks, very busy. So we're happy that Keith was able to squeeze us into that busy schedule. Well, with that said, let's welcome Keith on his first visit to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Keith, welcome. Hey, man, thanks for having me on, y'all. I really appreciate it. Keith, this is Chet. Thanks much for joining us. You know, we've had Dee Lynham and Tom Moore on here several times each, a couple other folks who know quite a bit about the Sixers, so it's about time we got you on the show. Now, first things first, Markel Fultz, what did you think 12 days back when the news broke that the Sixers were closing in on a deal with the Celtics to move up and snag the first overall pick? And is Fultz a legitimate star in the making? Well, initially I thought, like, I mean, I was like, wow, are you serious? You know, you call sources and find out things, and you're like, no, you're not joking, man. You're not joking because (laughs) I did not think that the Sixers had enough to go get them. You know, initially, I didn't think so. And to answer your second part of the question, yeah, he he is the guy. I mean, again, I'm not going to say that I think he's going to be a superstar, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. But I will say that he is the best player in the draft. He's a guy who, you know, is a combo guard. He can play point guard. He can play off the ball. He can shoot the ball. You know, he pairs best with Ben Simmons. Because when you think of it, let's say like – a De'Aaron Fox. He was a really good guy, but he needs the ball in his hands because he really can't shoot the ball, you know? So 
and, and, and he had he does some things that he like I don't know, he's just not the perfect fit like a Markel Falk. And I just think that in the end the Sixers were great for moving up and getting the safe pick. Now, Keith, you heard what Brian Colangelo has said about Ben Simmons likely being the primary ball handler, as he put it, in the coming season. But is that etched in stone, or might those duties end up with Fultz? How are they going to you know, handle things on the offensive end? You know, I think initially Ben is going to have the ball in his hand because it's funny. Like, you know, I just found this out yesterday that up until his senior year of high school, Markel Fox was a shooting guard, you know, so that works out well. The thing is, I believe, though, if Ben Simmons struggles a little bit, then the Sixers, you know, they can either slide him back to power forward, make him a point forward, so to speak, or they can slide him to small forward. You know, the the thing is, as Brian Colangelo said, you know, he's always going to have the ball in his hand. It just depends on is he going to be a point guard, is he going to be a point forward. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, so – I think initially that is the plan. But if he does struggle, I mean, you will see Markel Fultz walking the ball up. Well, Keith, I have to tell you, Chet is much more of a Kool-Aid drinker than I am in regards to the 76ers. <laughs> I'm more of a let's-wait-and-see kind of guy. Uh, everybody's excited with all that's happened here recently, and I guess I was kind of taken back a little bit by the article I read right away where Brett Brown came out and said – don't be surprised if there's limited games for Simmons and Embiid going into the season. I, I guess my question with that was, was that already an excuse, or are those guys still just not healthy? Um, I think it was kind of like already an excuse a little bit. I mean, or, or you know, I, I think that they're getting there. Like, you know, they're not – I think Simmons is 100%. He's ready to go. But I think, you know, MB went to the doctors a couple weeks ago. So he's still, like, progressing. He's getting there. He's not ready for, you know, the daily grind right now at this particular time. But he, he will be there. But, and again, I think it's with you. I think, you know, Brett Brown is smart. I mean, he knows that, you know, after they drafted Markel Folks, everyone was talking about, okay, here comes the Cavs. We're going to whip on the Cavs. And Brett Brown is like, no, 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 wait. I have two rookie guards, you know, one guy who was injured all last year, and then I have Markel Falk. My franchise player has only played 31 games. We have yet to get a top-notch guy in free agency, but all of a sudden everyone's saying, you know, we're going to go to the playoffs. So I think, you know, Brett is kind of in his own way, he's trying to, like, calm the masses, so to speak, you know, because, he, 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 he doesn't want unrealistic expectations on his own team. Hey, what about the three other picks this year not named Fultz? I'm intrigued by that seven foot two Latvian center. Are they all staying overseas, and do any of them have any star potential down the road? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because, like, the, the a, I'm going to call his name AP. We decided to call him AP because we can't really pronounce his <laughs> name. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, I, he, he's really raw, um, but he he's athletic. You know what I mean? He can do a lot of different things, block shots, and he can run the floor. But it just seems like his skill set is still raw. So at this particular time, he's a project. And then they have a guy by the name of Jordan, uh, Jonas Bolden. Jonah Bolden, sorry. He's like a 6'10 guy from Australia. 
Now, he may be the most NBA-ready of the second-round picks. I mean, he can shoot the ball from three. You know, he can run the floor. He, You know, he, he's kind of like it's weird. Like, he, he and Ben Simmons grew up together, and they're both like these athletic freak guys. Now, the problem is some people are saying, well, Keith, if he's so good, why did he last in the second round? Well, he had like a little injury, and certain teams were concerned about that. But as far as like all three of them, you know, I believe that Jonah is the most NBA-ready. The other two will probably stay overseas for two years. Jonah, he really wants to get out of this contract overseas. His buyout is 675000 so he'll probably, you know, try to get that taken care of. But, you know, I expect him to, at least if he's not here this season coming up, to be here the following one. Interesting. Well, Keith, hey, uh, the, the elephant in the room is Jahil Okafor. 21 years old still. He could score in this league, but it, uh, it doesn't seem like at least at this young age that he can do much else. Um, where does he fit in this, or are they still going to try to move him? You know, I think the worst thing that ever happened to Jalil Okafor was being drafted by the 76ers. I mean, you know, when you think about it, like you said, he can score the ball. Um, but other than that, it's kind of like it's not a really good mix. You know, I think Jalil, if healthy, will have a solid career in the NBA or should have a solid career in the NBA. It's just a matter of finding a perfect fit for him. You know, a team that where they want to feed the post, where they get a power forward who's not really a stretch for, but someone who can, like an old school, like, you know, bruiser type of guy. You know, now the problem with him is, and no one really wanted to talk about it, a lot of his struggles last year had to do with his knee. It's like he couldn't move, you know, he was always in pain, and he couldn't really run. So when you factor that in, and then there's a guy who struggles on the defensive end, first of all, but when you can't really move your your knee, your lateral movement is shot. So he looked like a turnstile. But um, I think that if he gets healthy and if he gets his body in shape as, in regards to losing weight, which it looks like he has lost a lot. You know, I think that if he goes to another place, that he could kind of rejuvenate his career. That's going to be an interesting situation to keep an eye on for sure. Keith, I've heard you say you're a fan of J.J. Redick and that the Sixers should pursue him in free agency, which they can do, of course, starting this Saturday. Why Redick, who's 33, and who else should be on their list in terms of free agent prospects? Well, talking about Reddick, I think that if the team keeps talking about it, it needs a knockdown shooter, a knockdown shooter. But there has been no one better than J.J. Reddick over the last four years. Also, I think that, you know, J.J. Reddick isn't the type of guy who stands in the corner and just waits for the ball to come to him. He's always in constant motion. And with a guy that's always in constant motion, you have to have someone trailing him, you know, trying to keep up with him. So what that does is, Believe it or not, even though he doesn't have the ball, that opens stuff up for other players. You know what I mean? People can't really say, okay, I'm going to have this guy collapse on Embiid. Okay, another guy trying to take the ball away from, from Ben Simmons. So I think that the fact that you're saying that you need a shooter, you also want a veteran leader. Um, you know, a guy who's been around for a while, but a guy who doesn't come with any baggage. You know, I think that J.J. Redick is the perfect fit for you. Now, the the, the other guy who they, they probably won't get, who I like, 
is Otto Porter. And the reason why they won't get him is because they're going to have to pay King's ransom to get him because the Wizards are going to match anything that any other team gives. Now, um, you know, Danny Green would be good, but they would have to trade for him. He would be like kind of sort of the J.J. Reddick mode. The one thing is, you know, the thing is I think that Excuse me, I'm sorry, I have a little cold. The thing is, you know, so I'm talking about guys that I think that they should go after, but then there's another report that came out about, you know, Andre Iguodala. I think they should stay away from that. And the reason being, wow. some people may say, and here's my reasoning. This is my reasoning. Because, you know, I like Andre Iguodala, right? But I don't think that, you know, he's a good player, but he was already here. You know what I mean? He was frustrated the last time. You know, he wanted to get out of Philadelphia. He didn't have a, a good re- a rapport with the fans. Excuse me. I think, like, if he comes back, you're going to go from a team that was in the NBA Finals for three years, and you're going to come to a team that won 18 games in those three years. Now, I know <laughs> that the team, I know that the team is getting better, and they have the four rookies and this and that. But he's used to playing with veterans. And everyone, you know, it takes a certain type of person to say, you know what, I'm in the prime of my career. I got a couple good years left, but I'm going to have to sacrifice everything for this team because the team is not ready to go to the, to the championship. So you understand what I'm saying now? If this was yep. a young team that was on the cusp of winning, go ahead, bring Andre Iguodala in. But at this particular time, I think it will be a waste for him, and I think that you know, it, it, you know, it will be a waste for the team just to sell tickets to bring someone back. Now, JJ Reddick, on the other hand, is a different type of personality, you know, a different type of player. Um, you know, he's a shooter. You know, what's him called is more of a slasher. So, I think that Iguodala fits a name to get a name player, but I think JJ Reddick fits a need. That's my. That, that's why I feel that way. Interesting. Well, that takes me right where I wanted to, to go, uh, Keith. You know, if you look at this roster right now, assuming some of the moves that are probably going to be made, you know, all the starters are going to be 23 years or younger. You have a couple bench players in, in Covington, maybe at 26, Bayless at 28. Um, can you win in this league with that young of a team, or do they? is it a must for them to go out there and blend in some older uh, veteran types that maybe aren't necessarily the best players, but to provide some leadership in how to play in the league. You're, you're exactly right. They need to blend in some players, some veteran players. Um, and, and that's the reason why last year they went after Gerald Henderson, you know, thinking that he was going to be that guy. And he was that guy. Unfortunately, you know, his hip was bothering him, but for the most part, he was the leader that they needed. And, um, yeah, the Sixers really have to go out there and get them. Now, again, they have to be careful because you don't want to have to overspend for a guy. And what they'll probably do is they'll give someone a two- or three-year deal, maybe a two-year guarantee, the third-year team option. That will help out because that gives them roster flexibility, you know, moving forward, you know, when they expect to be good. So, but, again, you have to be careful and, and get the right person because if not – it could set you back if a guy gets frustrated because, let's face it, 
the player who comes in is not going to be the man for the Sixers. It's going to be the young guy. You know, and a lot of people can't deal with that. Like, hey, I'm in the prime of my career. I want the ball. I'm not trying to give up the ball. I want the ball. So they just have to make sure that they get the right person. Well, let me ask you, as a a follow-up to that, um, is there a guy, and I'm just going to pick a name out here, uh, of this caliber of player, is is a Kevin Love-type player, uh, is he that kind of guy? Or do you need a a lesser uh, notarized guy, you know, than that? You know, know, Kevin Kevin Love, that's an interesting guy. But the thing is, you know, when you sacrifice your game to play with LeBron, you know, and Kyrie Irving, so to speak, you know, he can deal with that. But can you actually sacrifice your game to say to play with a Ben Simmons, a Joel Embiid, a Markel Fultz? You know what I mean? So, I mean, he would be a great addition because, let's say, you know, he, he's, a, he's a stretch four. He can shoot the ball. He can do other things. But, you know, the question mark is that if before you do that, you have to have a long conversation with him because, you know, they're not going to alter what they're doing now and say, okay, Kevin, this is your team. No, they want to build around these young guys. So, you know, typically because of that, as good as he is, you know, unless you have a great conversation, you know, they may tend to go get, you know, a B-list type of player and bring that person in, you know, so it wouldn't be disruptive. Interesting. Well, hey, Keith, we're already running out of time. It's flying by. So uh, what what we do with all of our new guests especially, we do a thing we call a Fast Five, a segment, and uh, Chet asks five pretty simple questions, and you give five pretty simple answers. You up for that before we close out? Yeah, I'm up. All right, here we go. Fast five with Keith Pompey. Um, Number one, did the voters get it right the other night, Keith, in naming Malcolm Brogdon the 2016-17 NBA Rookie of the Year? Nope. (laughs) I mean, I think it should have been. You're darn right they didn't. Dario Saric should have won. All right, number two, on a percentage basis, what's the likelihood Golden State repeats as champion next June? Ooh. 75%. (laughs) All right, sounds about right. Number three, if the deal is finalized, Chris Paul is very soon to be an ex-LA Clipper. What will the pairing of Chris Paul and James Harden mean for the Houston Rockets? Oh, man. That they'll go to – they'll lose in the uh, (laughs) – they'll lose in the Western Conference semifinals. (laughs) I don't think it's going to work. Still not bad. I mean, I think it's going to look good, but I'm not like – one of those people like, oh, you know, they got, you know, I'm not one of those. <laughs> I got you. Know, you. I, you know why? Well, let me just say this. Because what? James Harden wants the ball in his hands all the time. Chris Paul wants the ball in his hands all the time. So I'm just trying to see how is this going to work. That's, that, that's why I said that. <laughs> all right. Number four, and Keith, I won't hold this against you as a Penn Stater. You attended the University of Pittsburgh. What's your best memory of your time at Pitt? Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> I would say beat Penn State. I think we beat Penn State one of those years, but I, I could be <laughs> wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I guess it, the, the best memory was uh, going to the uh, seeing like old Big East basketball games. I used to love that. I used to love going to the old Big East basketball games. They used to play like twelve o'clock on Saturday. 
And I used to think that was like the, the greatest thing in the world. I hear you. And number five, final one for you. Um, on a recent show, Keith, D-Lineman and I both predicted the Sixers will finish right around 500 next year and make the playoffs next spring. Are you with us? Nope, I'm not. Because the one thing that you said is they have a really young team, and um, I just think that it's, it's going to be tough for them. I mean, again, I know a lot of people talking about the 28 wins and they're saying this and they're saying that, but there's too many question marks in my opinion. To, to you know, to already start to drink the Kool Aid. Now, if you ask me a month from now, and I know who who's going to be on the team, it could change. But right now, I, I think that they're they're still going to be a young squad, young and experienced squad. I don't like that you're a realist, but other than that, fantastic job, Keith. Hope it wasn't too painful. <laughs> no, it was great. Thanks for having me on, fellas. <laughs> All right, hey Keith, thank you for joining us, and uh, as always, great insight and. Uh, with what's going on with with the Sixers, and we hope we can do this again with you. All right, anytime. Thank you. All right, thanks, Keith. All right, Bill, let's take a break right now and allow me to tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. You know I love that place. Great dinners, steak, chicken, ribs, seven or eight varieties of burgers. Speaking of which, check out the Rover's Killer Burger Thursday. That's when the chef whips up some awesome new burger creations. And this Friday's lunch specials, well, they include a loaded taco salad for $7.50 or a dozen of the Rover's famous wings for $5.95. The Rover has a terrific atmosphere, spacious dining area, outdoor patio area now too, and daily food and drink specials, including Budweiser specials for all Phillies games. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. And by the way, that music you hear right now playing underneath is something from the early 80s from a guy we had on our show just a few weeks back, the singer-songwriter Willie Nile, who's got a brand new album out called Positively Bob, Willie Nile Sings Bob Dylan. It is great. I highly recommend it. Buy it. All right. Well, hey, Chet, we unveiled our brand new line of polo shirts at the 25th Annual Dick Vermeil Boy Scout Golf Outing, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but... They are now for sale, but, Chet, as you mentioned, our listeners can win one right now if they can correctly answer your trivia question. The number to answer that question is 929-477-2855. So get ready. You will win whichever uh, shirt you choose, I believe, correct? Yeah, the shirt of your choosing. Um, now, if you follow us on Facebook, you probably saw these new polo shirts, the Port Authority 6040 Cotton Poly PK polo shirts made for us by Personal Touch Advertising are available in five different combinations. You can get black shirts with a green logo or an orange logo, or you can choose a white shirt with either a green logo, orange logo, or a cool red and blue logo. And they are, are available in all adult sizes, men's and women's sizes. You can order a shirt via our website where you can see the combo store advertisement that I, uh, the combination story and advertisement that I put together. The shirts are 25 to $28 each if you're buying them. That depends on the size. And if you need them shipped, add another 6 bucks to the price. Of course, if you live in either the Philly, Trenton area or down in the Lakeland, Florida area, heck, we'll deliver them personally if we can to save you that shipping charge. But right now, let's give one away here. If you are listening live to the program, here on this beautiful Wednesday evening, you'll get one of these shirts absolutely free 
if you are the first person to call in with the correct answer to this little trivia question. And I figured since we're giving away a shirt, let's do a question about a shirt or a jersey, really. We actually discussed this, you and I, Bill, on a show back in March, so maybe you, our listeners, will remember it from then. Here we go. We all know that among the retired numbers among Phillies players is Mike Schmidt's number 20. But in Schmidt's rookie year, 1972, he wore a different number because the legendary Roger Freed was wearing number 20. So the question is, what uniform number did the Phil's Mike Schmidt wear in 1972? If you know it, call us immediately here on this Wednesday evening at 929-477-2855. Again, 929-477-2855. If you get through and give us the correct answer, you'll have a free Philly Press Box Radio polo shirt coming your way right around August 1st. Well, I'll tell you what, I know that answer. I could, I could win the shirt, Jet. No, you can't. But in the meantime, <laughs> you are while we're looking not eligible. why our listeners are going to call and try to win that shirt, it pains me that we have to uh, talk about the Phillies because of how bad they're playing, but we have to. So I'm going to make a bold prediction, Chet, and that is that, that Pete McCannon is out at the All-Star break if he makes it that long, and here's why. The article yesterday in the newspaper, which we posted on our website, phillypressboxradio.com, where Freddie Galvis questioned the team's effort. That is the absolute dagger for a coach or a manager. You can be lousy, you cannot play well, but you can't question the effort. And if your players are questioning the effort, there's a problem in the clubhouse, and it's going to cost Pete McCann his job. Yeah, you could be right. And uh, it's not just that, what you know, Freddie had to say, but what we're seeing on the field, Bill, lots of players making mental errors, which is a sign that either they're not focused or they just don't care enough. And, I mean, heck, lots of guys are underachieving this entire season, too. You know, from Herrera and Franco to, you know, we saw a little more from Cameron Rupp than we're seeing this year. So a lot of guys just not having the kind of season we expected from them. Of course, they already let go Jenmar Gomez and Michael Saunders. They're ex-Phillies now, which is, you know, no big loss, really. But, uh, yeah, it would not surprise me if McCannon did get the axe sometime in July. Well, and, and you know, you have, to, you have to give him his due that he, you know, he has to cringe every time he thinks he's got to run somebody in out of that bullpen because there's nobody out there other than uh, Nessage that can get anybody out. But uh, so, so that's not really on him. But that's where it comes back to, to me about questioning the effort. Cameron Rupp, as you said, 2, 208. Michael Franco is supposed to be the leader. He's at 222. Uh, you know, Oduble, who I like a lot, he, he's hitting 253, but mistake after mistake. Um, those are things you have to coach up, and they're just not doing it. And, of course, we are saying this right after the Phillies just completed a two-game sweep of the Seattle Mariners, so go figure. Uh, a nice win Tuesday night, and then a come-from-behind 5-4 win Wednesday afternoon right as we went uh, to showtime here. Um, but, yeah, it, it's not been the kind of season we expected, that's for sure. I'm trying to look at some positives, and, you know, one thing is Franco's coming on a little bit of late. Herrera's had a pretty decent month of June, despite all the mistakes, you know, running through stop signs and stealing when he had a stop sign, you know, not to steal, uh, a don't run sign. Um, 
Aaron Nola's looked actually pretty good the last couple of times out. So Nola looks like he's getting healthy and is starting to pitch the way we expected an Aaron Nola to pitch. So there's a couple of positives right there. Beyond that, not a whole lot to say about this uh, team this year. Well, and, you know, I was going to say the same. Uh, you know, you look at Aaron Nola, you mentioned him. Mark Leiter, Jr., pitched a nice game. Hellickson's been okay. Lively's been okay. The starting pitching, other than that Vince Velasquez, who's just having, you know, whatever his deal is, he's in trouble, it looks like. You know, they've had some decent games of late, but either they don't hit for them or the bullpen collapses on them and they, they end up losing. But if they, you know, if they give up three or four runs, this offense isn't putting up enough runs to, to sustain that. And now the big thing in July is we're going to see, you know, who's going to get moved. Everybody says Pat Neshek is the most likely uh, probability to go, although he's also the guy who's probably going to represent the Phillies in the All-Star game. So, boy, if he gets dealt before the All-Star game, the Phillies, uh, I don't know what they're going to have for an All-Star representative, but that really, you know, who cares? Um, so, yeah, Neshek's probably going to go. There's Todd Galvis could be, you know, a target for some team. So, who knows? That's a possibility. And, of course, Jeremy Hellickson is the most likely starting pitcher to uh, be – uh, you know, dealt as far as uh, that goes. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be interesting because I, I kind of feel like come trade deadline or I, I don't think it's going to be all the way out in September. They're going to have to bring those kids up from the farm and, and start making some moves or they're going to be playing in front of uh, less crowd than the 76ers who uh, we didn't get to Keith on that, but the season ticket sales for the Sixers are going crazy. And the Phillies are going to end up with about 10,000 in the seats at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about uh, Keith. We we had a lot more questions that we could have asked him in terms of that and, you know, what it's going to take for this team to grow together. But, uh, yeah, you're right. They're going to see 20,000 per night at those games while, while the Phillies crowds are going to go down to, you know, 10 or 15 on some nights when we hit August. Yeah. Well, it's uh... – it's tough to watch, but we're going to have to do it. Uh, you know, the, it's a long summer, and, uh, boy, you just hate to see them stinking it up. And they're, they're well on their way to 105, 110 losses. And, man, it's been – it's uh, not hardly in our lifetime, Chet. It's been that bad. And we've seen some bad years. Yeah, we, we didn't see this coming. We thought they'd win, you know, at least 70 games this year, but uh, certainly not looking that way right now. But they did just win two in a row, as we said, so – you never know. Hey, let's get back to that trivia question. Uh, again, speaking of the Phillies, what number, what uniform for a number did Mike Schmidt wear in his rookie season, 1972? It was not number 20. It was a different number. If you know it, call us at 929-477-2855. That's 929-477-2855, and you'll get yourself a nice Philly Press Box Radio polo shirt. Absolutely. And we're and we're trying to give it away. That's about it. That's a pretty easy question tonight, Jet. I thought so. So hey, uh, jumping back a second to Keith's comments, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, he he fell kind of exactly in the same line of thought that I came in with the Brett Brown deal. You know, I was really surprised to see that article come out about you know, limiting games. And it was almost like he was trying to tamp down the excitement right out of the chute because the fan base is fired up. We got, we got a, finally got good players. Everybody thinks this is the beginning of the real process. And it was almost like he was trying to tamp it down. Well, yeah, and it's understandable because you got to consider, while they have a lot of talent now theoretically, 
they haven't played together. Embiid's played 31 games this past season, zero the two seasons before that. Fultz and Simmons have yet to play an NBA game. So, you know, there's a lot of learning still to come, and these guys have not played together. Yes, Sarich played 81 games this past year, but he's never played with Simmons or Fultz in a regular season game. So, you know, basketball is a team game. Even though you have a few superstars, you know, there's a lot that has to click for things to go right and for the wins to pile up. So, you know, don't expect them to win 50 games the first season, although I do expect at least 40 wins, okay? I'm putting that out there right now. <laughs> I thought I was thinking you were one of them that was pushing for that uh, that 50 wins. <laughs> but, it, but it's only June. We've won June. I think we, we are leading the league in June right now. June was a good month for our Sixers, yes. <laughs> All right. Hey, Chet. The TV and radio industry, for that matter, has become crazy. Today, CSN Philly parted ways with longtime Sixer insider and our good friend D. Lynham and Flyers insider Tim Panaccio. Those two have been around an awful long time. Is it young faces or following the money? Out with the old and in with the cheaper. What do you think? Well, first of all, having gone through that sort of thing myself on three different occasions in my otherwise fun radio career, I can tell you it is a tough thing when you're called into the office and given that news. We especially feel badly for Dee Linems, and she's been such a great friend to our show, a four-time guest, and a damn good reporter also. 20 years at Comcast Sportsnet, including the last 17 or 18 years covering the Sixers. And, yeah, it's just what you said, an example of a company, Comcast in this case, cutting costs by saying goodbye to a couple of folks who've been there quite a while and likely making a decent paycheck and either not replacing them or replacing them with someone younger and, yes, cheaper in terms of their compensation. I wouldn't be surprised if the two remaining originals from CSN's 1997 launch, Michael Barkan and Derek Gunn, are looking over their shoulders just a little bit right now. You hear me? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. It follows right on the footsteps of the, the house-cleaning ESPN did, you know. But I, I guess, um, you know, is it a viewership issue at Comcast Sportsnet or just a cost-cutting issue? That's the that's the real thing. And, and you know, I think the yeah. other thing, and we, we kid some of our our friends and followers, the, the young guys who think that basketball was invented when Michael Jordan started playing you know, in in the, in the 1985-90 time frame. But, you know, I think maybe what they're feeling like is they need to not be trying to get people our age, Chet, but get those younger people back on, on TV and watching the TV and, and uh, bringing in younger people to do that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, a good part of that because, uh, you know, people think that it's the young people now who are spending the money and watching the shows and all that. Um and they're, you know, more tech savvy. Uh, but, hey, you know, we older guys, <laughs> we like seeing some of those familiar faces that we've been watching for the last 10 or 15 years. So, and it's, it's really tough to see a uh, D-Lion, Leslie Goodell, uh, Neil Harmon, those guys, you know, get the boot. And, you know, in my 50s myself and been in that situation, it's a little scary when you're told you're no longer needed and, you know, you've got to go find a job when you're, you know, in your earlier mid-50s. So, it's a shame, man. I do wish Dee and Tim all the best. Me too. Be and you know maybe more to come. And and you know one one other last comment on that. You know with the ESPN deal, and I, I think I said this to you the other day when we were together. If they don't feel like they're getting viewers to watch the knowledgeable people like Ron Jaworski and Trent Dilfer, what makes them think that they're going to get viewers? 
to watch less knowledgeable younger people. <laughs> yeah, good point. I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. All right. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, how are we doing? We we have an answer on our trivia yet? We want to read it again? We do not. Still looking for that trivia winner. Who? Uh, what number did Mike Schmidt wear in 1972? You call in, you get it right, you got yourself a Philly Press Box Radio polo shirt. Easy, easy, easy. There you go. Hey, how about a hint, Chet? How about that it's between his number 20 and between Steve Carlton's number 32? So that it's got to be down. between 21 and 31. How's that? Doesn't get any easier than that. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look it up if you have to. Come on. Uh, there you go. Hey, Chet, it's never too early to talk football, so we have to talk the defending Arena League champion 10-0 and Philadelphia Soul. It's time for you to get on the soul train, Mr. Chesco. There are five games left before the playoffs. How much time did you allot for this segment, Bill? Because I got nothing. I mean, kudos to Ron Jaworski and what he's put together with the soul, but I can't give you any insight into how they're getting it done because, well, I've been a bit busy getting caught up on Fargo and the new episodes at Twin Peaks, okay? So I haven't really watched the soul this season. I'm just wondering also – are there are there any siblings playing for that team? And if so, does that make them soul brothers? Uh, yeah, I guess it would actually. Uh, I'll be you, here all week. Really Try to the go there. <laughs> Sorry, it's all uh, I got. All I yeah, got. You know what? I'm going to tell you. Uh, I am not a huge fan of arena football, but it's a Philly team. They're winning. And you know what? We've had trouble finding them around here, and especially these days. So you and I need to little, do a little bit of homework, and we need to get on the soul train and start talking about them as they make a run towards their undefeated season and uh, hopefully a back-to-back championship. Well, I'll tell you, I did stumble on a couple of games this season. To be honest, I've watched probably parts of three games, maybe five or ten minutes each, but it was just by accident. And, you know, once you're there, it is kind of fun to watch. I mean, it's, you know, nonstop action. Uh, the, the plays get off quicker than in a regular NFL game. And uh, it's kind of exciting, but I just it's just not something like an NFL game where you plan your weekend around it, you know. So it's fun to watch. I will give them that. But it's not something that's must-see TV for me. Okay, well, I tell you, you better get on board because here's just one little tidbit for you, Chet. The quarterback, Dan Rodaball from Miami, Ohio, which uh, happens to be the home of Ben Roethlisberger, he threw for 4,303 yards and 101 touchdowns last year with only 13 interceptions. So you better get on board and watch Dan Red Rodaball take the soul to another championship. Could be another Kurt Warner. You just never know. You never know. All right. Hey, Chet, we have to, again, say thank you to our good friend Kevin Riley for his invite to the 25th Dick Vermeil Annual, 25th Annual Dick Vermeil Boy Scout Golf Outing uh, at Downingtown Country Club. Bob Sullivan was there. Our buddy Swit was there. We are all mingling among the celebrities as well. It was a, it was a great time. Yeah, we had a fantastic time at that wonderful event last week. Once again, as you said, a big thank you to Kevin Riley for inviting us. Just an awesome time chatting up some of the folks we had met a year earlier, like Jerry Sizemore, Bill Bradley, Mike Quick, and Jaws, Coach Vermeil himself, of course. 
And to get to say hello to some other former birds for the first time, like Steve Zabel, Mike Mamula, and Dennis Bigfoot Harrison. That guy is huge, as you know. We took a picture of uh, you and Bigfoot. I mean, you're not a small guy yourself, but Bigfoot Harrison is just huge. And, hey, the good news is that even though there had been speculation that the 25th Vermeil Invitational might be the final one, it sounds like they will be doing it again next June. So that is great news right there. Absolutely. And, hey, as you mentioned about Bigfoot, I, I just had to go over and get a picture, take him with him. He's six foot eight. I'm six foot one. He's six foot eight. Uh, he's got to be three, three and a half, I would think. And uh, I'm nowhere near that. And uh, I, I look like a little boy next to him. He is a big, big man. But nice to talk to, as was everyone else, as you mentioned, Bradley and, and Sizemore. And, of course, I got to uh, finally get my picture with Bill Berge which was great. Vince Papali was there, Leslie Goodell, Merle Reese. I mean, the, the list went on and on, and uh, it was just a real lot of fun. And, and I would say if anyone really wants to go have a good time, and, and it's not all that expensive when you look at what you get for it, uh, they do it again next year like Kevin thinks they may do now. Spend your $100, mark your calendar. Uh, last two years it's been the Tuesday after Father's Day. Mark your calendar and go to the Downingtown Golf Course and be part of this. It was really cool. And by, by hey, the way, Jed, Philly, yeah. Philly Press Box Radio donated a full-size Eagles helmet that was signed by all the former Eagles and the celebrities and auctioned off. It went for $275, a great deal uh, for the buyer and also a good fundraising item for the Boy Scouts. Uh, and you know I was chopping at the bit to win that. It turned out to be a great item. And I thought I had Herb Lust talked into going higher, but he backed out. He was gonna he was gonna buy it for his own charity and auction it off again. <laughs> that was a great item, so congrats to whoever ended up with that helmet. Very, very nice. And by the way, you mentioned Bill Berge. Now I talked to him a bit myself, but you told me you had a nice interaction with him as well. You wanna tell everybody about that? Well, I did and uh, you know, I, I was kinda like a little boy. I'm a little too old to be a little boy, but uh Bill Berge was my favorite Eagle of all time to this day. And, uh, and I told him that, and uh, I got a picture with him and I had in my phone, a, a thing that hangs in my office. It's a big framed item. It's uh, it's a signed Jersey and there's th- like three different action eight by tens in it. And all of the playing cards are trading cards from uh, his playing career. all line it. And it's, uh, it's really a pretty cool piece. And I pulled it up on my phone and I showed it to him and he went silent, and he just kept staring at my phone. And uh, he looked at me, put his hand on my shoulder, and said, "Thank you very much for the tribute," which I thought was pretty yeah, cool. That, that's nice. That is pretty awesome. Good talking, so, Mr. Berge. Oh, also great talking in person with Leslie Goodell. Leslie's been on our show three times, but she's someone who I haven't seen in person for four and a half years. So it was great to you know see her and say hello. And uh, we also met her daughter Kendall. And, you know, we've talked about her struggles on our show. They've got another fundraiser coming up in July uh, for AVM. And uh, they have the kendallscrusade.org. And uh, nice young lady and great to see Leslie. So that was fun also. It was. And and the other one we, we certainly have to mention, Chet, uh, is we had a, a good talk with Ray Didinger. We got a, a cool picture with him and you and uh, – and Bob Sullivan and, and Ray that we've posted, and it's got a lot of uh, a lot of comments on it that were good. And 
Ray's got that show coming up, that play again uh, here in August. Tommy and me, August 3rd through the 20th. So uh, I know you were going to try to get tickets, and I highly recommend it. I saw it last year, and it was really, really worth it. Yeah, and Ray Ray actually uh, seems like he's even a little more excited this time than he was the first time. I think he was nervous the first time, and now he's really yeah. excited about, about this one. Yeah, exactly, and that's understandable. He was a first-time playwright, so he's never done this before, and they only had two weeks to get ready for it last year, so I understand why he was a little bit nervous, but you know, it went off without a hitch. Everybody loved it. It got rave reviews, including one from me that Ray appreciated. And, uh, you know, now they're coming back for a second year of it with the same entire cast, and the script is the same. He said there might be a couple little subtle changes, but, you know, no reason to be nervous now. Now it's just a good feeling like, yeah, we, we got this. We can do it again. We did 12 shows last year. We're going to do 16 this year because people want to see it, and, and you should see it. I really do recommend it. Very good. All right. Hey, Chet, let's uh, go ahead and thank everyone that visits our website, phillypressboxradio.com. We continue to keep it updated with articles and local papers, uh, a few that we write. You can also listen to all of our shows, also the Vimeos from our show guests. We even have a photo section and a list of the websites of all our guests. And check out all of our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, LulaRoe, Taylor & Heather, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer to their websites. And, Chad, I can tell you we have now passed over 17,000 visits to the website, and uh, that's been in, what, October will be a year. So we're we're in about nine months, and we're about 17,000 visitors, I think. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. And, hey, uh, last call for the Mike Schmidt trivia question. Again, the question, what number did Mike Schmidt wear in his rookie year, 1972? You call it with the correct answer. You got yourself a Philly Press Box Radio polo shirt, the number 929-477-2855. Oh, by the way, you mentioned the, the website uh, a reminder that you're always welcome to add your comments to our original pieces on the website, as some of you did to my piece last week about those legendary 1969 Philadelphia Phillies. You can check out that piece. You can check out my piece about our new polo shirts that we were just talking about. And in addition to commenting on any of those articles, you can also use the Contact Us button at the top to order shirts or to just give us an opinion on something Philly sports-related or anything. Just click on the Contact Us tab at the top of the website homepage, and you'll be asked to you know, include your email, of course, and tell us what's on your mind or order a couple of shirts. And you know what, Chad, we also can use that if people have uh, topics they want to talk about. We can... Uh, they can always let us know through that or through our, our regular Facebook messages or whatever. But if they want to use that, let us know, and uh, we'll, we'll put their topic on there. We'll talk about it. Yeah, and we're always trying to you know, listen to our listeners and see what they have to say, good comments, bad comments. We'll take it. Uh, if you have you know, ideas for the show, uh, we're always looking to get new guests. And, I mean, we had one tonight, Keith Pompey, who was terrific. So, you know, we're going to continue to expand our roster of guests. And, uh, you know, we have a football season coming up. We're going to do a couple of new things related to football season this year. So we're not going to announce that just yet. But uh, stick around. we got some big plans ahead. Yes, we do. Well, Chet, as, uh, just as the Sixers created the huge buzz 
with the draft, so did the Flyers. And uh, we're going to talk Flyers next week. Who do we have coming on with us to, to break that all down? Well, because we're a couple of minutes ahead of schedule, let me ask you, before I tell you about next week's show, what did you think about the Flyers taking Nolan Patrick with the second overall pick? And what did you think of uh, that big six-foot-two uh, guy? Or, I'm sorry, the six-foot-six guy that they took uh, later on, Isaac Ratliff, 6'6", 200. He's got a little weight to put on. But, uh, you know, some new blood coming to the Flyers, and there's talk that Nolan Patrick could make the team right out of the get-go. So something to look forward to, Bill? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited about Patrick. I think he does make the team. I think there's still probably going to be some more moves made here with uh, I'm not sure who's going to go where. You know, the only thing Hextall said at this point is uh, one of all these centers is going to have to play wing. Uh, My guess is that could happen, but they could also move at least one of those centers out for Patrick to step in. The defense is going to be younger uh, the trade of Braden Shen was almost a trade you couldn't turn down. You got a player and two number one draft picks for Braden Shen. You've got to replace those 25 goals. Uh, but, geez, you got two number ones. That, that's trading at the highest value, I would say, right there by Ron Hextall. So I'm excited. I do want to see what happens with the goaltender situation. Um, you know, uh, there was an article yesterday, I believe it was. Uh, that I posted on a website that maybe the answer is Steve Mason to be re-signed as a free agent, and I know that does not make you happy, Mr. Chesko. No, I am not excited about that at all. I thought we had said goodbye to him. Look, I'm sure Steve Mason is a nice guy. He's, what, the third all-time winningest goaltender in Flyers history somehow, but he's not a guy who's going to lead you to the promised land. Enough with the Steve Mason. Um, Michael Neuvert, okay as a backup, but he's not the answer either you got to get somebody in here. I know they have some prospects that they like. I know they drafted another one this year, but, you know, one of these guys has to work out. The answer is not Steve Mason again, and it's not Michael Neuvert. So we're going to have a lot of goaltender talk, I'm sure, next week, and let's get to that right now. You know, you and I just talked a little bit of hockey right there, and I have some more in my parting shot too, by the way. But to be honest, you and I are not experts on the sport of hockey, but – We are happy to have one joining us next week to give us more insight on the Flyers draft picks, other young players, and that ongoing goalie dilemma. Because we're going to be joined by a guy who writes for HockeyBuzz.com and does a lot of work with the Flyers Alumni Association as well. Bill Meltzer, always a super guest. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Bill's locked in, and, uh, you know, we we certainly keep track of, of hockey as well, but it's Bill's job. You know, Bill, Bill knows all there is to know, just uh, just like Keith Pompey and Dee and all those, uh, Tom Moore and the rest do about their things. Uh, Bill Meltzer is the hockey guy. Yeah, and I thought we might get him on this week at uh, like a 7.30 time slot, but he and his wife are vacationing out in the San Antonio area this week, so he's having a good time. So we'll get him on next week and uh, have him explain what the heck the Flyers are doing about the goalie situation and everything else. Yep. Hey, Chet, speaking of Flyers alumni and, and the Dick Vermeil golf outing, how about that Brian Prop? Always great to see him. He is doing doing great. And uh, how about that he has learned to sign his autograph or his signature with his left hand? Great, great yeah. thing and proper. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, he's one of our favorite guests. We had him on a couple of times. He's a guy who loves to talk hockey. It was so great to 
see him on the ice with the alumni back in January and to see him in person. Um, I don't know if you've met him before, but I, I met him at Carl's, I guess, uh, right before he had the stroke, actually, a couple of years back. So good to see him again and to see that he's doing so well. That, that was really good. Yeah, and, you know, I have not ever met, met him before. And I started talking to him, Chad, and it was like I was talking to you. I mean, it was like talking to an old friend. And, and you know, you just start talking hockey, and he just loves to talk about it. And uh, just a super guy. And, you know, he was looking for somebody to uh, score goals, and I think he's probably real happy with the, uh, with the Patrick pick as well. Yeah, I got to think he is. You know, every old flyer that we've talked to has been great to talk to. I mean, I had Bob Kelly on. I interviewed him, and he was terrific. We had Bill Barber on together on the show a few weeks back, and Barber was just awesome. We could have talked to him for three hours about, uh, you know, the old-time flyers. So we love those old hockey guys. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Chesko, we are getting close towards the top of the hour, so let's get our parting shots in. Yes, indeed. Speaking of hockey, Bill, glad to see an ex-Flyer heading to the Hockey Hall of Fame for the second straight year. I don't think there are too many people in hockey who didn't appreciate Mark Recchi. This is a guy who played more than 600 games as a Flyer, which sounds like a lot, until you consider he played 1,050 games elsewhere. Yeah, 1,652 career regular season games in the NHL, fifth most all-time. Recchi, part of that crazy eights line with the Flyers in the early 90s, was a seven-time All-Star, including three times as a Flyer. He's also a three-time Stanley Cup winner. Of course, none of those happened with the orange and black. Uh, Mark Recchi was the Flyers' team MVP three times and his 12th all-time in NHL scoring. So Recky is absolutely a great choice to be named a Hockey Hall of Famer. Here's the one thing that may surprise you. Recky, who played all or parts of nine seasons with the Flyers, has not yet been named to the Flyers Hall of Fame, nor had his number eight retired by the Flyers. Anyway, a classy guy and a sometimes underappreciated NHL winger. Congratulations, Mark Recky, a soon-to-be member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Much deserving. Um... Very happy for him as well, and really, really look forward to. I was kept watching my phone as I was uh, heading down the road, trying to be sure when that announcement got got made. I'm I'm really happy for Recky, the player. Yep. All right, Mr. Chesko, my parting shot. Good things about Clay Dalrymple in 20 seconds. Twelve years <laughs> in the major league, nine with the Phillies, three with the Orioles. Played for the Orioles in the 1969 World Series, losing to the amazing Mets. He played in 1,079 career games, and every single one of them, Chet, was behind the plate. He led the league in assists by a catcher three times and double plays by a catcher twice. He is still 93rd in career putouts by a catcher with 5,557. That's ahead of a couple guys you might know, Mr. Chesko. Darren Dalton, Bo Diaz, and Andy Semenik. He was a career 233 hitter with 55 home runs, 327 RBIs, and a whopping three stolen bases in 16 attempts. Take note (laughs) right here, Chet. Two for two at the plate in World Series play. That's right. A career 1,000 batting average. A Clay Dalrymple history lesson in 20 seconds. That was about a minute, but I'll let you slide because it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I joked about Clay <laughs> Dalrymple on Facebook yesterday just because, you know, he's a former Philly that people don't maybe remember or don't think too highly of. But, yeah, he did have a nice career, I guess, back in the day. 
And he had a fun name. What, you know, who else do you know named Dalrymple? That's just a nice name. Well, and if you remember how that whole discussion got started, is I said that uh, I had an autographed baseball from somewhere around 1963 or 64 when I was just a little kid. He was at some event, and uh, my dad brought home a baseball signed by Clay Dalrymple that I have to this day. And uh, that's how the conversation got uh, started. That's how the fun started getting made of Clay Dalrymple. So I had to do a little homework, sir. And uh, two for two, not many career 1,000 batting averages in the World Series. Way to go, Clay Dalrymple, you 233 career hitter otherwise. (laughs) With three stolen bases out of 16. (laughs) Yeah, good one. (laughs) All right. Well, Chet, uh, we have a couple minutes. We want to shut it down, or you have another topic you want to throw out? Oh, I have one more for you. How about that Phil Jackson get whacked by the New York Knicks? You know, at least the Sixers had a plan. They might have called it the process, and they might have tanked games. But the Knicks never had a plan. They hired Phil Jackson, which was a bad hire to begin with. And guess what? He was a bad fire, too, because he never got anything done up there. I had the, uh, the the sense that he didn't really care that whole time he was with the Knicks. Uh, you know, great coach. I mean, he always had great players, which made it easy to be a great coach. 11 NBA titles, but, man, just a horrible executive by most people's accounts. I mean, same with Michael Jordan, you know, great player, but what has he done in the front office? Not a whole lot. So, Phil Jackson, sorry, pal, but you stunk it up up there in New York. He sure did. And you know what? Nothing makes me happier unless it's the Dallas Cowboys than seeing a team from New York just stinking up. You got that right. Oh, by the way, congratulations to my son. Not that he listens. Congratulations to my son on graduating with honors from his high school last week. He's off to college this fall. And I'm looking forward to this weekend because I'm going to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and I love those guys. Well, you have fun. I see uh, you're still trying to give away a ticket. Nope, sold it. We're good. Good. And if somebody actually bought a ticket and is going to sit next to you? Yep, that's the the booby prize. They have to sit next to me. So can't have everything. (laughs) Well, have fun with uh, congratulations to the Chesco's and to your son. And uh, you enjoy your trip to see Tom Petty. Absolutely. All right. Well, Chet, let's put a wrap on this. We're at the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest, Keith Pompey, Irish Rover Station House, Lulu Road, Taylor and Heather, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, June 28th at 7 p.m. when Bill Meltzer joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet, at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. <laughs>